God is present, and he's present by his Holy Spirit. And as you might remember, last week I began a series on the Holy Spirit that I want to continue this morning. Last week, the subject was the radical change brought about by the new birth. But the new birth is not a pinnacle of spiritual achievement. It's the inception of a new life. You no longer, no more become spiritually mature after the new birth than a baby, an infant, is spiritually mature upon being born. They still have to grow. They still have to learn. And so it is with Christians. So we're going to move on this morning to look at the gift, excuse me, not the gifts of the Spirit, but the fruit of the Spirit. Let me give you a preview of where we're going, though. Don't hold me to this. I might change, but if you put up the slide, this is where we're heading. So we talked about the radical change, being born of the Spirit, finding fulfillment. That's this morning, talking about the gift uh, rather, I keep saying that, the fruit of the Spirit. Empowered to bless the gifts of the Spirit on mission with God, witnessing by the Spirit, and the sacred presence being filled with the Spirit. There's so much in Scripture about the Holy Spirit. This certainly doesn't cover it all. But it takes us somewhere down the road to a fuller, richer life, or at least that's my prayer and hope. And so that's where we're heading for the next several weeks. But this morning, I want to talk about the fruit of the Spirit. We have to continually grow. New potential comes into our lives when we're born from above. Jesus said you have to be born of the Spirit to enter the kingdom of heaven. All right, you're born of the Spirit. Now it's time to grow, but you can grow. You can change. You can become like Christ because the Spirit of Christ now lives within you. It's not automatic, but it's normal and natural. You know what I mean? It's not automatic. It's not even easy, but it is natural and normal for the Christian to grow in the Spirit and to become more and more mature like Jesus Christ. Think about a mom. Across the world last night, moms were awakened to the crying of their little children, maybe in another room. Their babies are crying. And that mom just waking up does not feel like getting out of bed. It's not easy. She may not even want to, but it is normal and natural. She's a mom, after all, for her to get up, and so she does. In the same way, as a Christian, it may not be easy, it may not always feel quite right, but it is normal and natural for us to become increasingly more like Christ, and the Spirit enables us to do that. There'll be some battles, we'll see that in a moment. There'll be some battles along the way, but victory comes because we have been reborn by the Spirit of Christ. Now, the passage I want you to turn to is in Galatians chapter 5. You won't be surprised by that if you know your Bible. Because there Paul talks about walking in the Spirit, and he talks about the fruit of the Spirit. I want to start reading in verse 16. Paul says, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. 
They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God, nor will they find happiness, nor will they know anything of the fulfillment God intends for all human beings. By fulfillment, I mean reaching our proper end, becoming all that God intends for us to be. You can see just reading all these works of the flesh, No happiness can be found here because we're divided against ourselves and we're divided against other people. There's chaos here, trouble here, discouragement, despair, sadness here. So the works of the flesh don't get us where we want to go. On the other hand, let's look at the fruit of the Spirit because there we see what human beings are supposed to live like what God intends for us to experience. And you can see each one of these lead to fulfillment. Verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, you live by the Spirit if you've been born again. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying one another, he concludes. So here Paul talks about this war that goes on. He says, the flesh and the Spirit battle one another. There's no compatibility between the two. What one desires, the other opposes, and vice versa. And so you have to make a choice. You have to come down one side or the other, is what Paul's saying. Now, that doesn't mean in real life there won't be some struggles back and forth, but you have to decide who you're going to serve. And clearly, Paul says that if we live by the Spirit, then we are inclined to follow the Spirit but there's going to be a battle. There's going to be a battle. Now, that's one of the ironies of the Christian faith or the Christian discipleship is that to find peace and joy and love and fulfillment, you have to fight for it. But you do have to fight for it. You have to fight the flesh. Now, here's one of the common misunderstanding that Paul is setting up spirit against body that our bodies are somehow not right or good, that, that we're spirit beings and the body's just a disposable something. But that's not what he means when he says flesh. When you read flesh, read it as flesh and blood. That is, human beings in their totality, their mortality, and their vulnerability. Think of a little child born into this world, just flesh and blood, shaped, 
shaped by experiences, by teaching, by choices that they make. Their life takes on the hue of everything that they've experienced and chosen over many, many years. And as flesh and blood, you are, you are formed by those things. Your brain is formed by those things. The character that you have after years of simply living, the habits that you form, the characteristic way that you look at life, all of those things are part of our flesh and blood existence. We're merely human. And you know what? Because we live in a sinful world where there are many temptations and because there are powers of darkness that press in upon us, vulnerable, mortal, weak human beings, mere flesh and blood are no match. And what happens to us is we are taken captive. We are misshapen. Our lives are warped in various ways. The work of the flesh that Paul describes here, that ugly picture of where people can be, that's what happens. That's what happens when we live through this life just as mere flesh and blood. Do you see what he's talking about there? He's talking about the whole person, flesh and blood, vulnerable person. Now, the way of the Spirit is very, very different. The way of the Spirit doesn't lead to idolatry and immorality and everything else that you, you saw in the works of the flesh. Instead, the fruit of the Spirit grows in us. The Holy Spirit at work within us changes us. We are now no longer mere flesh. That's actually a term that Paul uses in 1 Corinthians. Christians are not mere flesh. We're not merely flesh and blood. I mean, we are that, but now we have received the Spirit of Christ. We have been renewed and changed from the inside. There's been a radical transformation, so we have new potential. And we are able then to experience love, joy, peace, patience, and all the rest of the fruit of the Spirit. You follow what I'm saying so far? Now, this is really important to see because what the Spirit does is what we cannot do in ourselves, but when cooperating with Him, we can do it, and we have to cooperate with the Spirit. It's not us, but we have to cooperate with the Spirit if we're going to bear fruit. We have to keep in step with the Spirit, as it's said by Paul in verse 25. But I want to underline that it is the Spirit doing the work, and, and that's important for a lot of people to understand. You know, when I, was, when, when I was first a Christian, there were a lot of things I didn't understand. There are a lot of things I still don't understand. But man, I was really in the dark at that time, and I don't know what it was, but somehow early on, early on, how does a child come to this conclusion? But early on, I figured out that I was broken. Now, I'm not saying I really was in the sense that I thought it, but I was convinced I was broken, and I was convinced I needed to be fixed, and pretty much my whole life was a story of trying to fix myself. And when I became a Christian, that project just continued, only now I ask God to help me fix myself. 
And it's very important to understand that the Christian life is not a lifelong self-help project where you're trying to fix yourself. The fruit of the Spirit is something that grows. And, and just like you don't, you don't see trees trying to fix themselves, they simply bear fruit by being trees, so it is the Christian bears fruit. It's a natural thing, a normal thing for a Christian to bear the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, etc. And so striving, the wrong kind of striving that is, gets in your way. It turns you in the wrong direction. In fact, it turns you in on yourself, and that's the last thing you want. Being a Christian and living for Christ should not become a self-focused improvement project. What you want is to turn out to Christ, and I'll talk about that in a moment, but it is the Spirit who does the work. Now, we do have to cooperate, and Paul tells us here what we have to do. He says, you walk with the, in the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. I mean, they're, they're opposed to one another, he says. So if you walk in the Spirit, you're not going to do those other things. So you have to walk in the Spirit. If you don't walk in the Spirit, even as a Christian, if you don't walk in the Spirit, you're going to find yourself tripping over temptation. You're going to find yourself slipping into these works of the flesh that you want to leave behind you. So you have to walk in the Spirit. What does that mean? Well, in verse 25, he says it another way. Since you live by the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit. The Greek has the idea of lining something out. So the word would actually be used of soldiers marching in line. And so we need to march in line with the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to try to explain what I take that to mean, what I take that to require. And, and I have to do this because, again, when I was a young Christian, I was so frustrated when they, people would say, you need to walk in the Spirit. That's the secret. You need to walk in the Spirit. Well, what do you mean, walk in the Spirit? What does that mean? How do you do that? I never heard anyone even try to answer that. So frustrating. Walk in the Spirit. So I took it that it was some kind of mystical thing. I had to become really sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Well, yeah, try it. Just try it. It's not likely to work. The way to understand this is to understand the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Jesus tells us about that ministry. He says that the Spirit of truth will come. Jesus says, I'll send the Spirit of truth. The Spirit of truth will come, and he will reveal things of me. He says, the Spirit will glorify me. The Holy Spirit is leading us to Jesus Christ. In fact, uniting us with Christ. And by uniting us with Christ, we are then able to bear fruit. See, this is why it talks in Galatians, the Spirit enables us to bear fruit. But then in John 15, Jesus says he's the one who enables us to bear fruit. He says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Remain in me and I remain in you and you'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. But you see, abiding in Jesus and walking in the Spirit, it's the same thing. 
The Spirit is seeking to bring us to Jesus and bring us into a relationship with Jesus that is rich and central to our lives. Now, see, if I get obsessed with myself and I even get obsessed with my sins that I've got to get rid of, then I'm turning in. I'm turning in and my life's growing dark in the same way that a black hole is a star that has turned in. The gravitational pull from the matter is so great that it turns in. Not even light can escape. So we call it a black hole. In the same way, we can turn in. And by doing that, we don't really change. But if we turn to Jesus and our relationship with Jesus deepens and is enriched, then that changes everything. Then we begin to bear fruit. That's what the Holy Spirit seeks to lead us into, this relationship with Christ. Now, when you think about what exactly does that mean, well, it's, it's not complicated, really. If you want a relationship with Christ, then, then you're going to reach out to him in prayer and worship. You're going to probably open the Bible to see what he had to say about things. Now, the whole Bible speaks to Christ in one way or another, but you could do worse than just go straight to the Gospels, right, and read about Jesus and read about what he taught. Now, all of these things are are the Holy Spirit leading us to the source of life. I'm not saying, well, just, you know, you need to pray and read your Bible. No, you need to seek the Lord Jesus Christ. And one way you're going to do that, if the Spirit's, if you're cooperating, staying in step with the Spirit, is you're going to pray, you're going to go to Scripture. You know what else? You're also going to join with God's people. The Bible, the New Testament, makes very clear that the Spirit gives us various gifts to minister to one another. I'll talk about that next week. He gives us gifts to minister to one another. So the Holy Spirit uses means. And so as He's seeking to bring us to Christ, He uses us to help each other. And so if I'm serious about seeking Christ, then I'm going to join with God, Christ's people in seeking him in times of worship like we just experienced. But the point I'm trying to make is that Jesus becomes central. The more Jesus is central in your life, in your spiritual life, the more that's the case, the more you'll find yourself showing, growing in the fruit of the Spirit, the more your life is going to be transformed. See, the real problem, the real problem for us is not this or that sin that troubles us. The real problem is being disconnected from Jesus. Apart from him, we can do nothing. But if we are attached to him, we'll bear much fruit. That's what it means to keep in step with the Spirit. He's leading us to Jesus. Now, if, I, if I'm casual about it and I don't worry about it and I just go about my life, sure, I believe in Jesus. I, I, Jesus died for my sins. I'm so glad he died for my sins. But, you know, I go to church once in a while, and when I do, you know, I'm just going to church. I'm not necessarily seeking Christ. Prayer, well, I fall asleep when I pray. I can't help it. And Bible, well, you know, I don't understand the Bible. I mean, we've got all kinds of excuses, but we're not We're not letting the Spirit lead us. And it's that detachment from Christ that makes us fruitless. And so to walk by the Spirit, 
to keep in step with the Spirit is to allow the Spirit to lead us to Jesus Christ. And he will fill our hearts with love for him and faith in him and a desire to follow him. Now, there's one other aspect to it. This is the, the, the I've just shared the positive side. There's kind of a negative side to this. It's not really negative, but it's the, it's the other side to this. And that is, there are, there are times when there's something in our life, some sin in our life, some Maybe it's some attitude, some action, and it gets in the way of everything. We can't possibly, we can't possibly in truth seek Jesus while we're stuck in that place. The Holy Spirit will put his finger right on that point and call us to step away from it. That's when we're being called to repent. Now, see, there's a thousand things, you know, a thousand shortcomings that all of us have. And God doesn't come and just say, okay, fix it all. Here's the list. I mean, we'd never get to the end of the list. What the Holy Spirit does is he pinpoints something that is standing in the way in the moment, standing in the way of your relationship with the Lord Jesus. And at that point, you have to repent. At that point, you have to respond. You know, the way the Holy Spirit does this is is pressing in on your conscience. Now, for some of us, that can be difficult because we've got this toxic conscience that's been trained by the world, trained by a dysfunctional home. It's part of the old flesh and blood nature that needs to be changed. So it's hard for us to really hear the Spirit through our conscience. We tend to hear all that background noise. But as you seek Jesus and you grow in him, you'll come to, under, to recognize more clearly when the Spirit is pressing on your conscience and telling you, this is a place where you need to change. You need to take a different direction. If you don't, you're getting out of step with the Spirit. You're not going to be fruitful as you want to be because at that point, you're resisting him. Does that make sense? You let him guide you step by step. So you don't want to get caught up where your, your, your whole Christian life is a self-improvement project, but you want to seek Jesus. And when the Spirit lets you know, here's something that's gotten in the way, then you got to deal with that. If you don't, your growth will stop. Here's what Paul said when he's talking to the Ephesians at one point. He's telling them all the things they need to, they need to fix because they had conflict among themselves. This is in Ephesians chapter 4. And then right in the middle of it, he says, do not grieve the Spirit of God. See, if the Spirit is, is calling you to change a particular thing, and, and you say, no, no, can't go there, can't do that. That's grieving the Spirit. That's getting out of step with the Spirit. And if you grieve the Spirit, you hold him off, you keep him at a distance, your spiritual ardor will cool, your growth will stop, you'll go to church, but you'll feel like, you know, I don't get anything out of it. You open the Bible, but, you know, it, it doesn't speak to me. You don't pray because, well, it's not in your heart. The idea of serving the Lord, serving other people, that doesn't appeal to you. It's like, ah, 
want to do that. Why are they always asking me to do things? You know, it's a whole different kind of life. But see, it's because you have grieved the Holy Spirit. So I've said a lot of things. I've said a lot of things. I mean, bringing it all together. When we are born of the Spirit, something new has come into our lives. And the deepest truth about us is we are now children of God, made alive to Him. And it's in our heart to do what God wants us to do. But there's resistance. Our own flesh, our flesh and blood, which is habituated to a whole different way of life, resists. Powers and principalities resist. Powers will use other people to cause us to stumble. Lots of things oppose us. So there's a real battle. But if I keep in step with the Spirit who is leading me to Christ, and Christ is center in my life, if I don't get focused on myself and my flaws and my shortcomings, but I focus on the one who is the Savior of sinners like me, and I keep my focus there, and I follow him. And any time the Spirit presses on my conscience and says, this has to change, I respond. If I do those things, then I will find my life becoming fruitful. And as it becomes spiritually fruitful, as Paul defines it here, guess what? I am fulfilled. I'm, I'm the person I know I was meant to be. Now, this is a process. It doesn't happen overnight. And because it's a process, it requires patience and tenacity. First, God has to be patient. And he is because he loves us. He's patient with us. We make many mistakes. And God has to be tenacious. And he is because he loves us. He doesn't let us go. He keeps working in our lives. If that was not the case, we'd all be in trouble. But then we too need to be patient. We too need to be patient, patient with ourselves and tenacious, not letting go. God has not given up on you, so you don't give up on God and you don't give up on yourself. You know you have been born from above. You have been born again. All things are possible through him who saved us. Pray with me. Lord, oh, how we want to be filled with your spirit and to bear fruit for you. And we know, Lord, that we, we, we must learn to keep in step with you with your spirit who lives in us and prompts us and leads us to Jesus. And so we pray that you would work in us, work through us, transform us. Lord, let us bear fruit that we might be the people you created us to be. Do your work, we pray. For if, if you don't change us, we will not be changed. Thank you that we have the promise, Lord, of change. We give ourselves to you now, trusting you to do a deep and lasting work. Amen.